South Connection, welcome back to the Ruth the Aggressive Podcast. We have a very exciting episode. This is the first time I will be covering a Royal Rumble on the podcast, so I'm very excited to do it. And uh, the person joining me is going to be my first ever guest on the podcast, coming back all the way to episode 53 we're at now, and that is going to be my good pal. And honestly, uh, Logan, I feel I, it's come like I've realized recently, besides like this pod and PTB and XT. I realize like every other pod that I do is with you. It's just like, uh, as I've been doing plugs lately, I've realized I just kind of go, and then I do a bunch of pods with Logan. <laughs> but how are you? Uh, I'm doing great today. And yeah, I, I think we're, we're just really, both these really easy to do pods with. So uh, we kind of mesh well together in that in that respect. So um, yeah, it's it's super, uh, super an honor to be on here once again, uh, finally doing a pay-per-view. So thanks for having me. Right at a rumble, it's um it's gonna be real fun. We're kind of working the uh, south south connection here because neither one of us by any stretch could would be north. <laughs> I mean, the closest would be you live in North Mississippi, but yeah, <laughs> in the grander <laughs> scheme, definitely I don't think anybody would consider that the north. So we're working the south south gimmick today. <laughs> yeah, I was if I when when I'm considered the north, we're in trouble. So. <laughs> So we will be covering um, Royal Rumble 2003. Uh, Chad and I laid on the last episode kind of the, the last push, uh, the last build to the show. And it's been a little bit of a weird build, but we'll see if they can continue the trend of through a lot of um, Lado 2. Some of the builds could be kind of shaky, but just due to the amount of talent that they still have, they can kind of put things together for the pay-per-view. So we'll see if they can make that happen here. Do you have any memories of this show, Logan, like watching it live or maybe watching it at the time? Uh, I didn't watch it live, but I had the tape. Uh, it, it was just one of those that, you know, randomly walk into like an old Sam Goody store or something like that or wherever mm-hmm. I used to get tapes from. Um, and I just randomly picked this one out and got my mom to buy it for me that day. So I had it on tape. So I've watched it a, a bunch. 
uh, probably a bunch more than I should have, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, this is one I, I remember. I, I didn't get a lot of, I didn't get any pay-per-views live until 07. So, um, I re- mostly relied on tapes up to this point. So, um, but yeah, I, I had this one growing up. This is a, this will be an interesting one because it's going to kind of start a trend of 2003 where this is where things are going to get a little fuzzy for me, but also this is a weird rumble in that it's one of the few rumble shows where I feel like I remember the other matches better than the rumble itself. Like, I mean, I remembered Mm -hmm. who won obviously, but like, I didn't really have much memory of this actual rumble, but the, uh, you know, the, the Steiner Triple H match that we're going to get into, everybody. <laughs> that one's kind of infamous. And then the other title match is pretty famous also. So it's a weird rumble in that I remember those matches more than the rumble, where it's usually like the opposite. I always kind of have memories of the rumble, and sometimes the undercard and stuff gets a little fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I definitely agree with that. Yeah, the definitely the Steiner Triple H stands out uh, above anything else. For uh, obviously, like you said, we'll talk about it uh, as we go on. But um, but yeah, this one the Rumble's not super memorable, but it has a couple of good spots in it. Uh, but we'll talk about it as we go on, like like you said. Right. So we will. So I have one, and this is almost just me trolling you a little bit, Logan. But usually in the pay per views, <laughs> I don't have a lot of news because um, we. Uh, I usually cover it in the, obviously it's in the same week as the last TV. And so if any notable news I probably did on the last one, but I will give you this one that um, Dave Meltzer noted that dusty son Cody is 19 and 0 in high school wrestling right here in early 2003. So hmm. lovely. <laughs> wonder if, sure if we'll see him down the line. I think it's going by the American nightmare back in high school. Right. <laughs> On the, on yeah, the, you can just on imagine high school wrestling Howard, circuit. <laughs> Howard Finkel up in the uh, uh, <laughs> high school wrestling circuit, going the American Nightmare, Cody Reynolds. <laughs> right. So, so um, some of the first um, mentions of Cody here, which is always like things like that when you hear about people who are so like everywhere you turn, you hear about them now. But this is a mm. good twenty years ago at this point. So, just a funny little note. But that's all I got, and we'll get into the show. So <laughs> this will be, of course, Royal Rumble 2003, and we come right out of the gate with um, – we had a good video package. I didn't take many notes from the video package here. I mean, it was a solid one as usual, but it didn't really stand out to me. And I feel like it didn't last super long. They kind of got right to the, to the get-go with the opening match. Um, I don't know if you caught anything on the open, opening, Logan. Yeah. I think they, I think they kind of reuse this. It's not the exact package because I think Steiner's not really involved in WrestleMania. So, um, but they kind of reuse this as the WrestleMania package too, as well. Um, it's like I said, it's a little different. Got a little few different people talking because a couple of people say little snippets. Um, but I also think it was used. It was either used on Here Comes the Pain or whatever the video game after Here Comes the Pain was, um, as kind of the opening to that game. So. Um, it, 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 yeah, like you said, it doesn't really stand out. It's just kind of people jumping around, flexing and getting ready for their matches and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I think it got repurposed for a couple of other things. It's no, uh, TNA 2005 pay-per-view open. Right? Oh, heck no. no nothing can touch no. that. <laughs> not, not that grandiose. I mean, come on, this is only a Royal Rumble. Anyway. All right, so we'll head to our opening match. This is going to be, and I thought this is a smart choice for the opener and probably what I would have pegged as the opener going into it. It's going to be Brock versus Big Show. The stipulation here is the winner gets to go on into the Rumble, and um, the loser will not be in the Rumble. So pretty standard stuff. Not 
I would say we kind of know who's probably going to win this one, but I, I never mind this trope, but kind of reminds me of the more recently, like the WrestleMania 30 thing where Daniel Bryan had to, now I don't know if this match is going to be on that level, but it's kind of <laughs> that whole trope. And, and I'm always, it works for me when you have a baby face, it just gives them like an extra obstacle to fight through to get to it. So I'm kind of cool with this trope and there's obviously history here and a big show is some decent fodder for this. So I didn't mind this whole idea and this kind of opening the show. Um, Taz tells us it's going to be a rocket buster Logan. So I hope you're ready for it. <laughs> um, and it's uh, some, some back and forth slugging to start off with. And then we get a huge belly to belly from Brock on a, a big show, which lights up the crowd show uh, grabs him, throws him over. And already within five minutes, Logan, could you tell me what he uh, throws Brock into when he tosses him out? He hits uh, he the, hits- uh, the hardest part of the ring. <laughs> he does. It was a good bump, too. I thought that was a six yeah, five. Yeah, like, yeah it was pretty dangerous yeah. looking. I, I made the note of that, of course, uh, for sure. <laughs> right. But as we would see um, so far and throughout the rest of Brock's career, he's superhuman, and there are times when he should probably get very injured or tear his knee, and he just kind of no-sells it. And it's kind of one of the <laughs> – I mean, he sells in the match, but you get the idea. Um, anyway, show takes advantage after that, pounds on him for a while, then Brock takes back over. Um he ends up getting Heyman into the ring to try and get to get his revenge. He gets Heyman up like he's going to get that five. But of course, that allows Big Show enough time to um, walk up and give him a choke slam. But he kicks out. So pretty good near fall there. If you did think there was any chance that maybe they're going to screw Brock out of his opportunity, that was probably it. But he's able to kick out from that. Picks Big Show's big ass up for the F5 and um, takes him out with that and wins to a huge pop from the crowd. Uh, Logan, I thought this was exactly what it should have been. These two have decent chemistry, this, despite Big Show being kind of a slug. I think Brock's energy and his bumping kind of makes up for it. Um, it sets up Brock well for the Rumble match later, gets the crowd fired up because the crowd is super hot um, into Brock at this point. Um, and you at least get like a decent little tease with the choke slam that maybe he's going to lose. Overall, I thought mm-hmm. for what they were going for, I thought it was well executed. And I ended up going two and a half on this one. Yeah, I went two and a half as well, and I, I think you documented it quite well on this podcast about Big Show's outfits and how he just mm-hmm. looks awful with the jeans and like the singlet under the jeans and all that kind of stuff. But like, when he came out, he literally looked like he just woke up from a nap, like his hair was all frizzled around and he looked like he had just been napping real hard. Um, but it's amazing to think that less than two months ago, this was a title match, and the guy who actually won that match isn't even going to be in the Royal Rumble later. So um, pretty pretty wild to think about that. Um, not many gla- guys can make uh, Lesnar kind of or can believably kind of overpower Lesnar, but Big Show's kind of one of those guys. Um, Lesnar had some amazing belly to bellies, like you kind of talked about. Uh, the dangerous like kind of choke slam maneuver that he did to the hardest part of the ring was pretty uh, pretty brutal looking. I thought. Uh, Brock might have actually gotten a little bit hurt on that one. Um, he hits a sick German at one point. Um, Big Show just looks kind of rough. He's moving pretty slow, um, and he just kind of looks a little bit disinterested at points. Um, I do always love when the Big Show does his choke slam. He kind of falls along with him. I always like that uh, version of the choke slam that he did. Um, and then uh, not many. Uh, it might not have been one of Brock's best F fives, but he's it's still pretty incredible that he can uh, get him up on a shoulder and twist him around like that. Uh, but I, I also went two and a half, so uh, a solid opening match for sure. 
Right. I don't think this is um he, he's probably not getting a ton of help from a big show on <laughs> NF5. Like this he is not uh, sleep up there. <laughs> Right. This is not the uh, drop kicking giant from 1996 uh, WCW. This is uh and to me that's when it really shows. Like I feel like this is mostly what I watch and so I kind of get used to seeing him like this. It's whenever I do end up throwing something on and I see him when he was like at his peak physically and that's when it really like like the contrast between Big Show here and like him when he's in yeah. much better physical shape, you really see it and it's depressing. But yeah, that's why he's at least he's doing what he should be doing, which is fodder for Brock because he's big. It looks impressive. And yeah, so I think a good start to the show gets the crowd behind it. Brock set up for the Rumble and now we can keep going. All right. Another possible favorite for the Rumble uh, speaks backstage and that's Chris Jericho. He says, despite the favoritism, Towards HBK, he was still the first undisputed champ. Everybody take a shot when Jericho uh, mentions how he beat Rock and Stone Cold one night. But he says he will regain it at WrestleMania. So just kind of your, um, I mean, it's a good promo. It's Jericho. He's good on the mic. But he didn't really have any that memorable of lines. This was like your standard um, pre-Rumble promo, which I always like these. I, I love the more of these you get on a Rumble, I'm all good with it. So I was fine with it. Enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, definitely solid. Jericho's always a good promo, and he's said he's going to throw uh, 29 other ass clowns out of the ring. So he's uh, <laughs> full, full Jericho mode. And he has the ridiculous facial hair, as always. He has it, like, braided in, like, three different areas. So uh, his facial hair was always really ridiculous during this era. Um, but, yeah, good promo. Right. All right. And so with that, we will go to our next match, which is going to be a feud um... – the uh, book dust is excluded feud featuring the Dudley boys and Regal and storm. <laughs> and so they're going to be battling for the tag team championships that Regal and storm have right now. And um, we start off very fast paced this match. Like I almost thought, and it's sort of my critique of it and not necessarily like the guys involved their fault, but I almost thought this match went a little bit too fast. Like mm-hmm. um, you get a lot of good, like technical dissection, when like when Regal and Storm are on top, it's like dissection. They're they're looking really good doing their technical moves to wear the Dudleys down. And then I thought equally when the Dudleys got their advantage, they kind of used their brawling and the big moves and got the crowd into it. So the, I thought they had a really good dynamic working with the the kind of contrasting styles in this. Um, Morley comes out, he looks to cost them, but uh, the Dudley boys end up outsmarting them. Um, they end up getting the the knucks. And they 3D, um, I forget who they did, I didn't get it down, but I want to say it was Storm. They hit the 3D, I think they hit Regal with the knucks. Basically, it's the the um, the screw job by Morley backfires, the Dudleys end up taking the win. But I went through that very fast, and it's like I said before, it was a very fast match. I want to say it went like six or seven minutes. Like, totally fine for me, but I feel like they really could have, like, it was a good match, but it was definitely one where I felt like, they were like it was compressed in a weird way. Like I felt like they were trying to get in the story they wanted to tell, but they had to almost move too quick. Like you never really got a really extended heat segment where Regal and Storm are working over one of the Dudleys. Like it just felt like they were in a rush. And I don't think that's really their fault. It's probably just the time they were given. But it's like I can't wait till they give Regal like any kind of match where he gets more than 10 minutes. Like I'm just waiting and see if it's ever going to happen. And I'm starting to lose hope. But it, I ended up going two and a half like we did for the opener. But it was more, not that it wasn't good, but I was kind of disappointed because I feel like they were getting into a good groove with this one. It just, mm-hmm. like I said, just almost felt too fast. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It only goes. It didn't even go seven and a half minutes, so it was quickly. You have to you have to save all that time for that epic uh, Steiner Triple H match we're gonna have later. So uh, <laughs> right. you have to save all the time for that in the Rumble and uh, you know all, all that good stuff. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, but yeah, I, it it was very fast. Uh, n- nobody got a ton of like offense and all in a row at any point on anybody. So it was just kind of back and forth and back and forth. Uh, but it, I mean, it was solid. Like you you went two and a half. I went two and a half as well. Um, the only thing. <laughs> that really pissed me off about this match is before the match, they show the graphic of the tag titles and they still haven't changed them. And that makes me main roster angry. So they show <laughs> the old tag titles, but they've had obviously changed the design of the tag titles that they come out to the ring with. So uh, that makes me main roster angry to a point where I can't even, can't even look at it anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I've really liked this team of Regal and Storm always have their styles mesh together really well. Um, I'm also incredibly happy they put the Dudleys back together so we're not forced to watch either of their singles pushes uh, anymore. Uh, I know that I know that got to be a contentious part with you watching Bubba on Raw, so right. I'm glad that they finally uh, put them in back in the tag team. Um, Regal and Devon were in the ring early, and Regal was just putting on a clinic, using all the wrestling moves, taking Devon down at every turn, it seemed like. Um, and I like that the Nucks kind of came back to uh, cost Regal. Um, I think they actually 3D'd Regal, and then they knocked Storm out with the Nucks. So, um, but I, I like that they kind of had, or they kind of cheated to win. But it, it was also it was also supposed to be kind of distraction, so they could cheat. But um, uh, that that's how Storm and Regal have won a lot of matches. So I'm glad the Dudleys actually pulled one out on them. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I went two and a half. Good good match. It, it, like I didn't really say it, and I think it kind of speaks to how much of a rush the match was in. Like it's supposed to kind of be this big moment because it's the Dudleys getting the titles back, like you said, since being reunited. But I feel like because they made the match go so quick, like you didn't really have enough time in the match to build any kind of suspense and like amp the crowd up to be ready for the big moment when they like, I feel like it'll work better too. If the match is longer, you get a little bit more of the Dudley's getting beaten down. And then the crowd finally explodes when you think they're going to get screwed over and you know, they steal it at the end and it's a cool moment where they win. But I feel like it goes so quick. The crowd doesn't really have enough time or like me watching it. Like I don't really have enough time to, to build the drama in my head because it just felt so fast paced. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a big moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they've kind of overcome a lot with Morley and uh, Bischoff kind of singling them out and kind of screwing them at every turn. So um, yeah, it it probably should have been a little bit bigger of a moment, but um, I guess at least they won uh, to kind of get over for the night at least. Right. All right. So we now cut to a Nathan Jones promo. Um, We see Jones. (laughs) <laughs> we see a little bit more about his character, how he's been causing havoc in the prison system in Australia. I, I kind of dug this because they use like, I, I don't, I mean, I know he really did go to jail and stuff, but I don't even know if like, like, do you know if this was real news footage? I don't know if I sound like an idiot. asking this, but Like if it wasn't, it, it really looked real. Like they did a good job with it, is what I'm saying. Like if it wasn't real, it, it was like a cool look to it because it felt like they were using like footage of a real newscast to kind of, um, to like get him over. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I would I would be inclined to think so, but at the same time, WB kind of a skeezy that way, and they might <laughs> might might just have made something up or, or you know dubbed a name over uh, right. of, of something else or something like that. But I mean, it, it definitely could be. I don't really know what he did to go to prison, but uh, but yeah, I, I, it, it could be real. But I, I I'm gonna err on the side of probably not. <laughs> <laughs> right but it doesn't <laughs> it would be amazing i wonder if they just found like um 
like footage of other like Australian newscasts where like they don't say the name. Maybe that's what they did. But yeah, I thought it was well done. Like I thought it was a it was cool and kind of gritty that they would use like the news footage. Um, and they also call them the uh, the Colossus of Bogo Road, which is uh, it almost sounds like something they would call someone in modern day WWE. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I always thought they said Bugger Road, like B U G G E R. <laughs> so I was very, I was very concerned when I saw it earlier, and I was like, "Oh, I've been saying that wrong this whole time." <laughs> <laughs> you got like a Mandela effect with Bugger yeah, Road. Yeah, yeah, Bugger Road. Well, I mean, it just it, you know Australian and all the crazy accents and stuff like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, so we move on, and now we, we have a, a huge, well, what should be a huge blow-off match here, which is going to be Dawn versus Tori, billed as the first-ever stepdaughter versus stepmother match in our company history, <laughs> which I um, can't say. It's a very specific thing, so it doesn't really shock me that they would never have that. Um, maybe uh, one of Moolah's matches actually was, even if they didn't say it at the time. Maybe one of Moolah's matches was a stepmother-stepdaughter match. <laughs> Anyway, but this is supposed to be the uh, the raging climax of this feud that I've covered in in uh, <laughs> in um, sensuous detail <laughs> throughout during the pod. <laughs> um, but uh, so Dawn comes out; she has a black veil over her face, so really milking the drama in this. And then Tori comes in in white, um, looking very nice, of course. Uh, they do they do a lot of thrashing around the ring. Um, we call it on PTB NXT. We call this the um, Thrash-based offense. So that was kind of what we got <laughs> early on. But then you get Dawn Marie going with the limb work. She's going all after... Um, uh, like, she's going all after the arm here. So we got Dean Malenko, mm-hmm. Dawn Marie right here. Things get <laughs> kind of messy, I thought, in the last... So the match only goes, like, four minutes or something. But I thought, like, they were doing okay. They kind of do the thrashing. Dawn goes after the arm. And I felt like at that point, they just kind of didn't know what they were doing. Like, they just got kind of lost. It got real messy the last few minutes. There was very little flow. And, of course, Tori wins with her patented neck breaker. And uh, the crowd <laughs> uh, goes mild. Like, crickets. It, it felt like a, a like a random match on SmackDown, not like a blow-off to, like, a months-long feud. So, uh, I ended up going a star on this, which might even be generous. I could see going Yikes. lower. But... Uh, it it wasn't great by any stretch i mean i rarely i think because it was so short that helped it too but yeah by the the first half i thought they were it was it was i but like my problems with this i I have bigger issues just like i don't think they set them up for success logan i don't know what you think yeah yeah, yeah. i mean this this is kind of how the smackdown women's division goes for a long time because they don't have anything to fight for so there's not going to be a ton of women on there and the women that they do have on there or mostly eye candy. They do a lot of bikini contests, lingerie, con- like you've seen throughout the pod so far. Um, so, I mean, when they make them wrestle, it's all—it's never great. Uh, sometimes it can get to the maybe a little bit good uh, territory, but um, you know, this is this has been so personal. This has been a long ass feud because mm-hmm. I think the whole Al Wilson thing started in like September, but even before that, they had done a bunch of bikini contests and lingerie contests, kind of like I was saying even before that. So this has been like a you know uh, a six or seven month feud almost at, at points. Um, but uh, 
for, for how personal the feud had been or had gotten at least in the last uh, month or so with the death of Al Wilson and all that kind of stuff um, and all the stuff that happened at the funeral and all that, it, I felt like it should have been a lot more, uh, a lot more, you know, hard hitting. And, you know, Tori really should have like gone after her, but I felt like she was just, you know, doing a lot of, you know, just random or random or just regular wrestling moves. Like she wasn't doing any slaps or trying to really charge after. Her. And I guess she she was kind of playing the fact that she was still kind of torn up about it and sad because, uh, you know, her father did love this woman. So she didn't really want to hurt her, I guess. But uh, just with the way it, it had been built, I would like to uh, it to have been a lot more physical than it was. I do think Dawn tried to make it physical at points, kind of going for the arm, like you said, and she kind of decks her at the beginning of the match kind of knock her over um but i only went half a star um just because yeah like i said tori didn't bring that physicalness that i i wanted her to and i only really gave it half a star because dawn kind of did at points but um yeah just just not the best not the best match and it wasn't really booked to a point where it it, it was ever going to be successful so um right yeah. like one star half a star. it wasn't good however you want, however you want to slice yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. like i'll um I, what I would add too is like the issue I felt like with this whole, like you said, the whole feud has been based around this kind of campy nonsense. So it's so weird to me that you would make it just a regular match as the blow off. Like to me, this should have been like a, um, like a Vince style garbage match with like every single, like everything but the kitchen sink thrown in, like just complete nonsense. It would have fit the feud. It would've, there's no way it wouldn't have been more entertaining than this. Like, you know, this is at best just like a boring four minute match. Like, like, I feel like they should have just went for, I mean, that's what the feud's been all about is like nonsense and ridiculousness. So like, why would anybody who's enjoyed that feud, like the people who would have enjoyed that, all the nonsense of it, enjoy this? Like, if you're liking all that, this is not what you're looking for. So I just like, it's just never. And I feel like part of it is that they, that would take a lot more effort on their part to kind of book all that out. And so rather than that, they're just like, I just go out there for four minutes and kill some time it's a bummer because i think it could have been a real fun like nonsense match but instead it was just kind of boring yeah, yeah, yeah and 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 i mean tori doesn't like i mean i'm not even say slap her the whole time but tori doesn't even like slap her once mm-hmm. like i would beat the shit out of her if she just had embarrassed me at my dad's quote-unquote funeral um just like a few days prior or a week prior however long before that this was um but yeah, she just doesn't have any physicalness towards it. But like, like I, I feel like she was kind of meekly not wanting to do the match at the beginning. So maybe that was what they were trying to go for. But I don't think it worked. No. They needed more TNA <laughs> in this slogan. Like it, they should have like go full, do some stupid, like make it a casket match or something stupid like that. Like just go all out. Like why not? And yeah, then, do like, the tri- <laughs> Trinity Destiny uh, stretcher match that we had that right. time. <laughs> yeah, like make it. You know, I'd much rather that. I'd rather be like Russell Crap insanity than boring. So, anyway, exactly. kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll we'll keep chugging along. So, and we head backstage where we have Eric. He's kissing up to Randy Orton real quick, and then uh, he runs into Stephanie, who tells who says goodbye to him. Not because she's leaving, but because he'll be leaving because he's going to be fired soon after his evaluation by Vince. Eric says that he has no worries because he has an atomic bombshell to drop. Uh, she says that she has one of her own and that uh, says that she's going to be okay because blood is thicker than um, <laughs> urine. Well, she has blood <laughs> is thicker than... I, I, did you know what she was talking about? I have no idea what she was referring to. 
I have no idea. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what she, that was. I really thought she was going to say semen at first, and I was like, ah, I don't know what like, that I means either. <laughs> like, I don't know what I missed, but I mean, I do a podcast on this shit and talk about it for two hours for each week of TV. And I, I can't nothing. think of a, anything she's talking about. But anyway, she's blood sticker than urine. He says that money is thicker than blood. I guess saying he's going to make some money for, uh, for Vince, but it kind of just ends after that. It was. This felt really out of place on a pay-per-view. I didn't know why we really needed this. This felt like something you would see on weekly TV. Like, it just didn't really fit for me. I easily could have just taken this out, added nothing. Yeah, and they didn't really talk about the Rumble at all. Like, oh, yeah, one of my superstars is going to win right. the Rumble. Kind of like they do throughout the years when they have the little revolving thing and they pick the numbers and all that, and they kind of banter throughout the night. Um, but they didn't even talk about the rumble really. They were just talking about Eric getting fired when his 30 day evaluation was up. I, I maybe she was trying to call him a piss ant. I don't know. That's the only thing I can really think of right now, but I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, just kind of weird and could have been left out for sure. All right. Then we get, uh, our next thing, we'll get another sh- strange Sean O'Hara video package vignette thing where he's telling us about, and he's preaching to us about escape and then really buries the church, says the church is a farce. <laughs> you shouldn't go to church. Um, like, I guess, like, follow what makes you feel good or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah, just um, we'll see. It's going to I can't wait to see how this is going to turn out because this is real odd. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if, if God will forgive you for your sins, why do you need to go to church when he's sitting next to you on your couch? I thought that was a really good line. Uh, really stupid and funny line, but yeah, really weird. Um, I would have liked to have seen this. I mean, obviously, spoiler alert. I know you've watched this air before, but I would have seen how uh, this would have worked out if they really didn't put him in a position where he couldn't succeed when he does actually debut. But uh, yeah, weird for sure. <laughs> yeah, very strange. All right, so now we will go to our first big title match of the night. We get a video package for Triple H versus to? Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H versus Scott Steiner. Um, like very typical, like in a good way. It shows you how good they are at their video package because, like, the build to this match has been all right. Like, but the they make it seem so intense. Like, it's an excellent video package, but they just do like a classic WWE like butt rock video package that makes this look like it's been this like wild, intense physical feud. Mm. What it really has. I mean, it's been, like I said, I've tracked it. It, It's been all right. And like, but it's, it hasn't really been that like intense. It's been more about like building the intrigue to see like, what is Steiner going to actually be like in the match? Could he possibly be triple H? Like it hasn't been this like blood feud, like this video package is making out to me. But on the other hand, if you hadn't watched the build and you saw this, I think this gets you more hyped than probably the build would have. (laughs) So their video package people are like top notch, whatever they're paying them. It's not enough. Yeah, 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 and even till today, the few video packages that they do on, well, they do a ton of them for WrestleMania, but like the regular pay-per-views, they don't do a ton of them as much as they used to anymore. But yeah, they're still awesome, and what uh, whatever they get paid, like you said, is 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 not enough. And uh, I guess Triple H must get the butt rock uh, uh, presentation in the uh, video <laughs> package because he always gets the butt rocks on. Because next month he'll get the uh, pay-per-view theme as well. So. Um, I guess I guess that was in his contract as well. <laughs> right. So finally, we get to see what is this going to be like. It's been building for a while now. Um, I mean, this is going to be for Steiner's first real match 
since debuting at um, Survivor Series. So we'll see how he holds up. So Triple H versus Steiner for the World Championship. Uh, they're definitely milking the hype early on. Like they kind of do a stare down at the ring. They do the whole Earl Hebner holding the title, like trying to make <laughs> it feel big and really like milking every last drop of like intrigue they can out of this. We start with a lot of strikes, and I thought in the early going, like Steiner's laying it pretty good. I felt like his strikes looked um, pretty good. He's kind of doing these like overhand clubs on a Triple H, uh, and I thought it was like a a solid like first few minutes when he's just kind of clobbering him. Like mm-hmm. I guess it was their way of establishing him as a threat. And to Triple H's credit, he was selling his ass off. He was really <laughs> acting like he was getting his ass beat. But finally, Triple H throws him into the stairs, and um. They then go into slightly more wrestling here, but this is where things get, well, not quite yet. So we get, I thought this kick in the corner spot was pretty good. Like Steiner's rushing him in the corner and Triple H gets the feet up and really lays him out. But even here, like you could see, like you could see how immobile Steiner is. Cause like when they do do that kick in the corner spot, he just kind of like, I don't know how to describe it. Like the way he falls, his legs don't bend. <laughs> he just kind of like slides <laughs> onto his back. Like it was a good, it was a good spot, but you could really tell, like it's really starting to show how wooden he is. Like in a lot of this, like he starts to sell the back because Triple H starts going after his back. But I think at certain points he was just in legitimate pain. Like it was a, <laughs> like Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 14 vibes with Steiner here mm-hmm. with his back. But um, he, uh, he Triple H goes for the pedigree. He reverses that, catapults Triple H into the um, into the corner, then comes back with a neck breaker. And again, he just looks like he is. Uh, they do this tombstone spot, and at that he really looked like like he was wincing in pain on that, trying to because like they do the whole reversal of the tombstone and he looks like not good there, and it's like every time he falls, I'm just waiting. Like he seems like a turtle. Like I'm waiting for what spot is it going to be when he when he's not able to get up because he really looks like there's going to be a point where he kind of falls and is not able to get up. But I will say before you do the rest of the logo, I thought. You know, it's a little janky because Steiner so wouldn't. But I thought this first portion was okay. Nothing great, but it was totally acceptable. I'll give credit to Triple H. He was selling his ass off for all of Steiner's strikes and stuff. And I thought at this point it was all right. I don't know. What did you think in this early portion? And we'll get into what happens after. Yeah. Um. I. I yeah. Yeah. Uh, Earl at the beginning of the match, like you kind of talked about, had like a little uh, session where he was talking to each guy, saying. He basically just said he's not going to take any shit from any of them, including Flair that's out there at Triple H. I thought that was hilarious. Um, I thought the physicality and working on the back early was really good. Uh, Steiner does lock in a Boston Crab, and it is the worst one I've ever seen because, like you said, <laughs> he cannot bend his legs. So they're just he's just standing up straight, kind of holding on to Triple H's legs, and Triple H has to like push up on it to make it even look like he has it in at all. Um, and then he locks in a bear hug on a guy and Triple H is bigger than Steiner, uh, kind of physically. So it kind of just looked wrong, uh, altogether. Um, but l- like you said, honestly, I think there's a good 10 minute match in here. And if it kind of, you know, transitioned towards the end at the point that you're at right now, I think it would have been, it's not great. Like I- I'll never say it was going to be great at that point, but it was good. Uh, good 10, 10 or so minutes, but this, uh, last seven or so minutes you're going to get into is, uh, all time, just horrible, awful stuff. So uh, I'll let you. I'll let you go on. <laughs> right. So this is where things start to get a little. 
things are not too great. So then this is the point where like you tell Steiner's getting kind of blown up and he goes like suplex city. Like he just hits repeated belly to bellies, which even here I thought it was like you could tell he's winded and stuff, but like I thought the belly to bellies were okay because he doesn't have to do much. Like Triple H is just selling for him and, and doing the belly to bellies. And also this is where you could feel the crowd start to turn a bit. Like that they're not into yeah. him, which this really goes to show you how much he struggled in this match because as it goes on, because the crowd has loved him since he debuted. And so just to have him, them start to kind of turn on him, like he starts to get some booze here, but you get the famous botch where he goes for like, he does the classic, like um, going back to the Steiner brothers days that like underhook suplex. And he just mm-hmm. like falls on his ass when he goes to do it. <laughs> and that is where things like, you could really feel like, Oh man, this is, like they should have not made this this long because he's really starting to sh- uh, struggle. Um, at this point, Triple H and uh, Rick try to leave. Um, Steiner chases them back up the ramp. Flair distracts and Triple H goes for the belt shot. Steiner gets it from him and catches him with it and hits him in the face with it. And then we get the most unnecessary blade job ever. Like mm-hmm. he hit him. If he would have <laughs> hit him, even like a belt shot is like, eh, you know, is that worthy of blading? But if you hit him with the metal part, like the actual gold, I could see. But he hit him with the back on it. Like he hit him with the leather <laughs> strap part. And then Triple H comes in and he's like bleeding, acting like, you know, he's in the Hell in a Cell match. Uh, they start. They do a classic Jeff Jarrett, the crowd brawling. Like this is the point where you get it's just falling apart. Like I feel like Triple H probably here didn't know what to do. He knows Steiner is not capable of doing much. That he's blown up. It, like he wasn't capable of much before. Now he's blown up, and things are just starting to drag. And they finally make it back to the ring. Flair in it. Like you just feel them stalling, and they're pulling out like every stalled trick in the book here, probably because they think Steiner's about to have a heart attack. <laughs> like Flair wanted to stop the match, the crowd brawling, every little thing they could do to slow it down. Triple H throws out Earl. Um, like he tries to go for like an intentional ref bump to get himself disqualified, but Earl refuses to throw it out. Like you kind of alluded to at the beginning, he's not going to take any shit. Very, um, <laughs> maybe this is on my mind because uh, the NBA playoffs are right now, but a very Chris Paul, Scott Foster um, relationship between <laughs> Triple H and Earl, like famously Chris Absolutely. Paul and Scott Foster. Right, like, <laughs> <laughs> Chris Balls never won a match. Like they have a very contentious relationship. That's that's Earl and Triple H. But um uh Triple H is able to hit a low blow. He tries to roll Steiner up. He's not flexible enough to be rolled. Like he can barely roll up. It's physically his body cannot contort to be rolled up. So that doesn't look great. So of course we go to the sledgehammer now. He hits him with the, in the stomach with the sledgehammer and it ends on that to massive booze. Um, I honestly didn't even really, I don't, I don't think he pinned them. It was just like a DQ schmoz. The crowd is just shitting all over it. Um, but yeah, it completely falls apart in the second half and turns into complete shit show. So like when you're rating this match, it's just a matter of like, how do you weigh? Like we said, the first part is acceptable, but the like second half of this is like infamously bad. Uh, like comedically bad at points, like when he when Steiner's falling on his ass, the stupid blade job for no reason. Just it's just it's like they killed Steiner here. I mean, it's on him too because you know he just couldn't go. Now you could argue like they shouldn't have put him in there that long, but yeah, yeah, it, it's real bad. So I'll let you speak on this. I'll get your rating because this is a tough one to rate because it's kind of how much do you weigh the two halves of this match? I think. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this match made me hate Scott Steiner as a child, and I I've buried that, or I've <laughs> had that, I've had that in my soul for a long time. He's one of my least favorite wrestlers because of this run and kind of his TNA run that he eventually has. Uh, probably was a little too mean to him as a kid, but because uh, I think this is <laughs> equally as much Triple H's fault. But yeah, Scott Steiner's just not at the peak anymore. Um, the more I watched the match, I was like, this shouldn't be the WrestleMania match. But I feel like they should have not immediately given him a title shot. It didn't do him any favors. Because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he has a match with somebody here at the Rumble, mm-hmm. and it's not good. I mean, like a regular match, not a title match. Mm-hmm. Um, and, may, and maybe it's not good. And they can see, like, oh, we don't need to put him in there with Triple H and have a main event title match. Um, so, you, you know, maybe they could, like, you know, you know, see if he's physically ready and can do a, a, maybe a WrestleMania main event and they can build it all the way until then. Uh, I definitely think putting him in this world title match straight out of the gate was a bad idea. Cause uh, he just, he's not at his peak physically anymore. I, I won't say he's completely cooked, but uh, cause he does wrestle for, you know, seven or eight more years in WWE and TNA and uh, other places. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, the last five or so, or probably seven minutes of this is just all punches, suplexes, uh, bad blade jobs, uh, it completely goes off the rails, makes both guys kind of look like they don't know what they're doing. Like they're completely lost. Kind of like you were talking about. Um, I think this is also on triple H because I think it is kind of his unnecessary desire to have that epic main event mm-hmm. title match. Uh, it, it has to be almost 20 minutes. It has to be, right. uh, schmozzy and has to have certain parts in it. Uh, so it's on him as well, but Steiner, you know, like I said, is just not not at his peak anymore, and he's not he's he's past probably past his prime at this point. Uh, definitely didn't need to immediately be put in, the, but but maybe they thought he wasn't at his peak anymore, so they wanted to kind of get what they could out of him, uh, you know, quickly. So and and if it was good, then maybe they could keep going with it, or you know, if it was a train wreck like it kind of ended up being, mm-hmm. uh, then uh, they could just bail and be like, oh, well, we'll we'll put you with this uh, other guy, you know. Um, but, you know, after the bell, they do even more fighting, so it's even more past the 17 minutes the match was already. Um, and he puts in the Steiner recliner, which is always the most doo-doo shit uh, submission move to me because it always looks awful because, like you said, he can't bend his legs. So he's just kind of standing there with Triple H's arms on his uh, above his knees um but I, I i wanted to go dud i really did because it's just so horrible um but that first uh first 10 or so minutes like we kind of talked about was good and i think if they had cut it off at the head right there and just you know maybe done a sneak roll up or done the sledgehammer spot anyways it wouldn't have been great it definitely wouldn't have been you know an all-time match or anything like that it wouldn't have even probably been barely above good but i'll give it one just because i think that first few minutes was our, our first little bit was really good Right. I, I'm at a star and a half on it for the same sort of reasons. Like, and I think you make a good point. Like, they didn't put him in it. Like, because I think they knew what he where he was at, you know, physically. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, and that's why he's not on any matches. on. Because, like, if you felt confident physically, why not have him, like, you know, destroying guys on TV to build him up? Like, give him squash matches. Like, they don't even do that. And then expect him to come in here and have a 20-minute match. I think they put him in a spot to fail like he should be getting like the modern day Goldberg protection 
where nothing's going to go over like seven minutes or something. Like, let's just got to go in there and have like a hoss fight. But to your point, Triple H is not going to do that. He's got to have his, you know, want to be Ric Flair matches. So, uh, and, and like you said too, the, the, all that overbooking shit with all the, the nonsense only works if the crowd's buying into the storyline. Like it definitely can work. I mean, like mm-hmm. there's a reason, um, you know, dude love Steve Austin with all that nonsense is like one of the, you know, most lauded matches ever. It's because people were into the story, but here no one gives a shit. Like they don't care about Steiner anymore. They don't care about triple H. So it doesn't matter. Like they, they're at the point where they don't really care if he gets screwed over. Like, like you said, they do the beat down after and they don't even care. Like, they're not popping mm-hmm. for him putting Triple H in their client. Like in a matter of this match, the crowd completely turns on him. Like mm-hmm. they did, they did like a double turn, except they didn't turn on Triple H. They just don't like either guy anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they try to do like Triple H, like he's stone cold at WrestleMania 13, bleeding in the Steiner recliner. And then the the thing that killed me too, I don't know if you noticed, is you could see Steiner's little purple thong popping out the back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his, his little tea back is what he said, got him in the recliner. Just a complete, oh man, what a disaster. The crowd is dead. Um, they're like trying to portray it like it's chaos, but no one cares. Just uh, it's it's a dumpster fire. Like I said, starting happy because it started okay. I'll give him credit for that, but everything after it, it lives up to the reputation. I think of being, you know, uh, a disaster. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what yeah, yeah. I would go watch and watch it if you have it in a while. Yeah, what were you saying, Logan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I think even at the point that he's done 500 suplexes at that point, uh, but Triple H hits him with the sledgehammer, and I think at least like a quarter of the crowd cheered pretty loud when that happened. So uh, they were almost halfway be- or a quarter of the way behind Triple H at least. So uh, <laughs> he fucking no sold the sledge too, like Steiner. I mean, he hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, he sells at the time, but a couple minutes later he's back up. Like up to this point, the sledgehammer's been like. Like you murdered it. Like it was supposed mm-hmm. to like broke Shawn Michaels back nearly, like almost re-ended his career. And mm-hmm. Snyder just sells it for like 40 seconds and gets back up and starts uh just man. What what yeah, what a disaster. Anyway, so mm-hmm. gonna be quite a contrast now, Logan, because now we're gonna go to the <laughs> it's it's wild to me, these two matches back to back. Like it just feels like yeah. such a such a um like embodiment of Raw and SmackDown over the past mm-hmm. like six months having these two matches. But it's going to be an Angle versus Benoit. We get another great video package to recap this, um, which has been a pretty long-running storyline. Like um, even going – like Team Angle showing up, um, you know, everything they've been through, even having kind of Brock involved, all the stuff. They do a good job of – I won't go through all of it because I've been covering on the pod, but they do a real good mm-hmm. job of sort of recapping all of this, which has been a pretty complex storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this one's gone on for a while. Even back when they were teammates, uh, I think it kind of extended from that. You know, they were the kind of the wacky teammates that ended up winning the uh, tag titles in the in the tournament. Uh, but they never really got along, quote unquote, th- throughout that whole partnership. So yeah, this is this has been going on for a long time, kind of like the Don and Tory thing. Uh, the angle, the team angle entrance, I thought looked fantastic. I think they look mm-hmm. super legit, all with their matching tights. They come out with the pyro. Uh, but they get ejected very quickly before the match, which I thought was a smart move for what they're going for in this match. Like, mm-hmm. um, they're not going for any kind of overbooking type stuff. They're just billing this as two, like, top-tier athletes going at it. So I thought that was smart to do. Uh, so 
obviously a lot to this one. So we get some tight, high impact stuff to start from the, the strikes to the snap on all the suplexes. Everything just looks stiff. Looks like it hurts. Uh, angles bleeding from the mouth within within the first couple minutes of the match, which is legit. I'm sure just he has a busted lip, I believe. Um, and they're they're sort of building in this early portion of the match that like Benoit would kind of be like if you were gonna be doing this like a um, you know like a boxing match or something. That Benoit's kind of winning by decision. Like he's kind of getting the better of Angle in the early going. That maybe Angle is rusty and that he's still coming off of his injury. So they're kind of building that in the beginning. Like he's getting a little bit. Um, overwhelmed uh, by Benoit. And um, just as I was watching this, it's hard to like kind of recap move for move with this or be here all day. Mm -hmm. But like to me, just watching this, it kind of reminded me of when I was doing the GWCW project, those guys like, like Flair and Barry Windham and Arn Anderson, where just like everything they do just looks tight. It flows well. They just have a good kind of ebb and flow to how they go move for move. Like the crowd's quiet early on, but I think it's the way that they're working the match. It's purposeful. Like, they're trying to build up the heat as the the early like they're not trying to come in super hot. They're trying to build to a big climax later, and Angle finally takes over with the uh, the belly to belly. The commentary I thought was really good here, like getting over. Like at one point they get over that the headlock left um, left. Um, sorry, Benoit disoriented, so he walks into the belly to belly. So everything they're doing in the match, like they are. Um, they're doing a good job of kind of following it up on commentary. Taz, you could tell throughout this whole match, is loving everything. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like he was legit enjoying himself doing this match. Like, he goes, this is just wrestling, Cole. It's not about steel chairs and all this. This is just wrestling. Holds and suplexes and wrestling, Cole. Uh, mm -hmm. Which he was into it. Uh, Benoit comes back with the Germans. Uh, uh, angle right back with the top rope, belly to belly. They're starting to pick up some momentum here. Uh, Benoit gets the cross face and man, that thing, the crowd is lit by this point when he locks in the cross face and he has that shit locked. All I could think was like, that was the op. It's like the opposite of like the Cena STF where you could tell there's like no pressure on the guy's face. I mean, he has angles face like crypt maybe because it was <laughs> legit, legit. He was legitimately doing it. But, uh, Benoit then gets his own ankle lock. The crowd loves that and reverses it back to the cross face. They keep going back and forth with that. So they've really started to pick up the pace in the later end. Um, so, like, and I think they did a good job with this, like I said, of not going balls to the wall the whole match. Like, uh, like they slowed down a bit earlier when Angle has the rear choke in to kind of build up to the hot sequence where they're trading the submissions. Uh, a really awesome near fall and Angle roll up. Back to trading the Germans. Again, Taz, so great. He's just eating this up. It's, like, the greatest thing he's ever seen. Benoit finally gets Angle down and goes coast to coast with the diving headbutt, which... That was a fucking insane spot. Like, <laughs> I mean, he could have easily whiffed on that and looked like a goof if he, like, he didn't go quite coast to coast, but it was a good, like, three quarters. It was close. Way. It was, <laughs> right, it was insane. Um, I love the angle setting him up for the angle slam. Like, he comes right back at him and, like, just little things like dropping him on the turnbuckle to, to set him up for the angle slam was cool. Like, he doesn't just, they don't just go into, like, finisher for finisher. But Benoit survives Angle Slam. They go into the cross face. The crowd is ready to blow at this point. Angle locks in the ankle lock with um, – so he kind of does a bend to it, a nice little variation. Keeps retching on it. He goes to a seated position, and Benoit just can't escape. And that is how we end the match, where Benoit ends up having to submit because Angle basically smothers him. And Angle celebrates with Team Angle and uh, picks up a huge title defense. And um, certainly the the opposite of the match that we just watched, Logan. Would you say? 
Yeah, yeah the, I, my first note is this is a complete stark contrast of the previous <laughs> match. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep, no, keep, you finish what you were going to say. <laughs> no, I was going to I thought it made sense, like Benoit losing, because it. I think it does what it's supposed to do, because definitely Benoit looks good in this. He looks like he can hang in the main event, but you know that Angle is gearing up probably for Brock in the future, and so this is kind of the tune-up for that. And uh, I just thought this whole match just felt like a struggle from start to finish between both guys. Like, it felt like a war. And, um, yeah, fantastic. I, I wasn't really sure because I, I feel like there's times where I've maybe watched this match and was down on it. But I think it's probably just, like, I wasn't watching it in the way it's kind of meant to be watched. Like, it's not a match you just want to kind of put on the background. Like, if you're going to watch it, you kind of have to get yourself invested into it. But Ben Walk gets a huge ovation from the crowd, like, I ended up going five on it. Um, I didn't, it was hard for me to really think of anything I didn't like about it. Just the intensities off the chart. And like I said, just the only thing Triple H and the Steiner have going for him is I can't imagine if they would have had to follow this would have just been oh, insane, <laughs> but it'd be negative stars of it. Followed it. I think, <laughs> I think it does right. at least have the benefit of not being after it, but yeah, just right. But, and it's yeah. just like a, like I said, or like a microcosm of, Kind of the what everybody says about Raw and SmackDown of this time is like you see it in these two matches, but I went the full five, Logan. I got you. Um, I went just short of five. I went four and three quarters. Um, it it um, but the, the, these two just go uh, balls to the wall the whole time. It's physical, uh, hard striking. Uh, every strike is stiff. Every strike has it completely laid in, and it's just a mat classic from start to finish. Um, it's one of those matches that, kind of like you said, is really hard to take notes on unless you're going to really just do play-by-play and then uh, you'll be talking for 45 minutes um, because everything they do is just so awesome and it's all over the place and everything is physical, like I said. Um, Angle, uh, uh, Benoit at one point does the release German and then he does the diving headbutt that you talked about for like at least three-quarters of the way across the ring. I'm pretty sure uh kurt's feet are like under the other corners turnbuckles so he goes almost completely across the ring um and then he kicks out of that and he kicks out of it at like 3.9999 uh so it was like an all-time kick out and the fans are completely invested at this point uh like you were talking about taz is so into it at one point he says he just goes this is great cole this is great so um, he's super into it. And like you said, he comments throughout the match about how awesome of a wrestling match it is. Um, I said in the chat the other day, and this is probably why I'm not going to go five stars on it, just because it it lingers in my head for some reason. Um, but when I was younger, this was kind of a long kind of mat based match. And that wasn't really what I was into as a kid. Uh, but now that I'm a little older and have watched a lot more wrestling, I really appreciate the greatness of it. Um, I still can't go the full five. Uh, it's just uh, there's some a, a couple of slow spots in the middle uh, that kind of took me out of it a little bit. But yeah, like I said, uh, for the most part, it's a it's an absolute classic, and uh, it is it is what this show needed to recover from the drick that we just watched in the last match. So um, just absolutely awesome stuff. Right, and I, I think the the thing with this match sometimes I feel like it could maybe like people who are not into it would almost say it's you know, like, yeah, they're doing great wrestling, but it's kind of dry and boring. And I would, and I kind of went into it wondering, well, maybe it is. I don't know. But I watch it. I just think their intensity is just mm-hmm. what kind of takes. And it's not like they're just doing move after move. Like, to me, it kind of, it just feels more like a struggle. Like, they're just trying to, like, 
see what they could do to like overcome each other. And that's why I love the finish. Cause by the end of it, it's just Benoit just grabs them and they don't do like the, you know, he's trying to get to the ropes and like pulls them back to the middle. It's just like, he just smothers them at the end. Like he just is on them, mm-hmm. kind of gets it in the seated position and Benoit has no choice to just give up. It's, it's fantastic. It's man, it's a great match. So kind of, Gets things back going for the crowd after they wanted to burn the building down after uh, <laughs> the Steiner Triple H match. So. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> but but great match, um, great showing for SmackDown. But with that, we are already done the undercard, Logan. So we will gear up for the Rumble match now. Um, we see let me our ask only. You, let, me ask you a, no. let me ask you a question before we get to the Rumble. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the right. set for this show? Um, the kind of off to this off to the right uh, entrance way. What did you, what did you think of the sh- the set for the show? The thing, like I didn't think here or there about that. The thing that got me is how big that fucking Titantron was. <laughs> that thing was massive. Like I remember seeing, right, and I really sort of noticed it when we get into the Rumble match because obviously you yeah. see the entrance a lot, but yeah. like that screen was massive. It made me think they were like trying to take up space, maybe because they didn't sell enough tickets that they had the massive screen, yeah. but. Why did it did it did it hit you in the same way as the tag belt thing? Did it bother you or? Yeah. Well, no, I just I, it 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 kind of messes with me with that it's like a little bit to the right, so they have to like walk around and then go down the entrance way, and then the rain the whole show going from the top of it is just weird. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess they made it so big because uh, maybe they didn't sell enough tickets and they were trying to hide parts of the arena. But yeah, I was never a big fan of the fact that they kind of set it off to the side and then they kind of had to walk around, and then the rain no. just falling on the screen. I don't know how they did that, but that was that was weird. Right now, with that, this is kind of a sidebar. But are you uh, so? Do you dislike when they do like the baseball stadiums nowadays, where you kind of have that off-center kind of entrance with the baseball stadiums? Yeah, I'm never a big fan of like the off-center. I like to see them like come straight down, you know. But I, I liked one year they just came like out of the dugout. I thought that was a really mm-hmm. cool uh, visual. Right. Um, but yeah, the ones that where they kind of have to turn and walk around, I've always thought that was kind of weird. But I mean, that's just a ticky tack little you know, me thing. So, <laughs> uh, right. but yeah, like I said, I just noticed that gigantic screen. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. So our only pre uh, rumble promo is going to be Kane and uh, RVD. Kane pretty much tells RVD that tonight is his night and he's not going to hesitate to eliminate Rob when he gets the chance, which of course Rob doesn't care. He's just like, no, that's totally cool, man. But uh, I'll do the same thing to you. So just kind of doing the, um, you know, the tag partners going in all every man for himself, you know, nothing groundbreaking there. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, we will get into the rumble itself. So we'll, um, we'll get through this. We'll stop every now and then. This is the first time I've covered a rumble really on the pod. So I was kind of feeling out the best way to do it, but we'll make it work. All right. So we, um, we of course have our first entrant, which was set up before him is going to be HBK. And the second is supposed to be Chris Jericho. So, uh, typical Sean makes his entrance Jericho. We think is coming out with his, um, bedazzled red jacket, but that is revealed to be Christian dressed up as Chris Jericho. So HBK is a little bit confused, but of course it was a decoy. So Y2J can sneak up from behind Sean and start beating the shit out of him. He blasts him with a chair, busts his head open, which admittedly is a much better, um, more fitting and better done blade <laughs> job than what was done earlier. Um, we then get Chris Nowinski coming out number three, and of course he's an asshole, so he just decides to let them fight and not go into the ring. I guess 
I guess he's supposed to be smart. He did go to Harvard after all. So he's just going <laughs> to let them beat each other up. Jericho finishes off Sean here and just tosses him after beating his ass with the chair, uh, bloodying him and throws him out. So what did you think of that, Logan, as like a swerve? Like, because it is, because the way they had built it, you're thinking, well, this is going to be like the first two minutes is them just going at each other. And they kind of swerve it here. And Jericho does the heel deal and kind of just goes and kind of squashes Sean and throws him out. What did you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really liked it from a heel perspective and kind of where the storyline goes going forward with Jericho and Michaels. Uh, I do think the match as it goes on uh, could have benefited from having Sean in there a little longer. But like I said, it fits the storyline. It fits how kind of Jericho's been the whole time uh, that they've been kind of going back and forth on the mic with each other. So I think it really fit. But uh, I, as we kind of go throughout the match, I think Sean probably could have benefited from being in there or the match could have benefited from Sean being in there a little bit longer. Right. It's like a solid swerve. It's maybe a little <laughs> anticlimactic, like you said, because maybe the other way they could have gone is like when Jericho's in there having to deal with Sean during the match. But I guess it's yeah, it's hard not to judge it knowing where it goes into. It's like they're making an investment. And I think from that perspective, <laughs> it, it works. And, um, you know, at least wasn't a swerve just for a swerve sake. Like it did make sense that Jericho would kind of heal off and outsmart him. I thought it made Jericho look good, actually. That he kind of, you know, got one over on Sean. But anyway, so Sean is dumped early. We continue on. Uh, Ray comes in to uh, kind of fill the face void here as we were just left with Jericho and um, and Nowinski. And uh, I have to say that it does pay a little bit of dividends, the brand split being around this long, because it is cool now to see these. Um, like throughout this match, you get some cool cross-brand interactions. Like here seeing Ray and Jericho go at it because Ray had just debuted like Ray's only debuted since the brand split. So he and Jericho, who, you know, both were kind of WCW guys, we'd never seen them in a WWE ring together. So I thought that was a cool moment. So there's some cool interactions like that that I thought were pretty cool. But um, Edge comes in then and they kind of fight off the two um, Chris's, Nowinski and Jericho, and end up, it seems like they dump them, but they both end up surviving. I, I actually thought Nowinski got dumped here, but it turns out he didn't. But they make a big deal that Jericho didn't, that he survived by going through the middle rope. And uh, so this is kind of our first, I would say, so I kind of broke this down the sections. To me, this was kind of the, I kind of broke it into quarters. So to me, this was kind of this first quarter, which really revolved all around Jericho and him dumping Sean and kind of dominating the first part of the match until Ray and Ed show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do like how Nowitzki kind of chills outside the ring for a bit when him and uh, when Michaels and Jericho are still kind of going at it. And then Ray comes in past Nowitzki. Nowitzki still he like pokes his head in a little bit and comes back out. So they're really trying to push that he's the smart guy. Um, I thought Jericho was a real good dri driver of the rumble. You know, like he was kind of calling the shots and it was, it, it, you know, he was the he was the main guy. He was going to be in there a while and uh, kind of was letting everybody know what they needed to do at certain points. Um, I do feel like they don't pace this one uh, very well. And the fact that like a lot of the good workers like Edge and Mysterio kind of we're talking about in this uh, little bit don't really last super long. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if we've gotten to the point where both of them have gotten eliminated yet, but um, they don't last as long as I think maybe at least one of them should have because it, it kind of at one point becomes Jericho and then just a bunch of schmucks and maybe a couple of right. guys that probably could 
uh, be, you know, quote unquote contenders. But I, I would have liked to have seen Edge or Mysterio to last a little bit longer. And Edge and Mysterio do an absolutely disgusting uh, double drop kick to Nowitzki at one point. And uh, <laughs> it, no de- it no doubt led to one of his many concussions that he got throughout his career uh, that he now studies all the brain injuries and stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, they land. Sh- I'm pretty sure it's Edge lands straight on his face. And I think he actually starts wearing a uh, like one of the uh, masks for like a broken nose kind of thing or like a, you know, broken orbital bone mm-hmm. or something like that after this. So I think that might have happened in this match. It may they may play into it later, but I'm pretty sure they might have just broken his face on that double drop kick attempt. Right. So like you said, the thing is, is like you definitely have some talent. So we'll go to the second portion. Like so Edge and Ray after kind of the two Chris's are kind of knocked, not out of the match, but just kind of neutralized. They kind of do the fighting partners deal. So they do based on their tag team they were before Ray got injured. And then here comes Christian to even things up again. Um, I I did pop on the next one because they, you know, you think it's Eddie coming out, but it's Chavo. <laughs> so it's kind of disappointing because <laughs> it's they kind of have the same music. But uh, then Ray finally dumps the Winsky, so he's officially out now. But he ends up paying for it as Jericho clotheslines him out. So you kind of mentioned it earlier. I did think it was a short stint for Ray. The only thing, I mean, he was really good and brought tons of fire when he's in there. The only mm. thing I could think of maybe is he is still kind of fresh off that injury. He just came back um, in the last few weeks. I wonder if they were kind of like, you know, giving him a pitch count coming off the injury, like not wanting him to get, you know, go 30 minutes in the rumble or something and, you know, get fucked up on some botch or some, cause I guess it is kind of a yeah. chaotic match. That's the only thing I could think of a why maybe, but it was definitely a bummer either way to not have Ray in there longer. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. But, um, what's also a bummer is build the mock coming out next to, <laughs> I don't care about. Uh, so th- this is probably, I would say our first lull here. Is like not much a note. The ring's starting to fill up a little bit. You start getting your kind of like no real setup spot, just kind of guys clubbing each other around the ring. We then get uh, <laughs> the piss drinker and apparent top five brawler based on Dave Meltzer's um, Wrestling Observer Awards. Tommy Dreamer comes out and he's got his <laughs> weapons, which I thought was good. I thought he kind of woke things up with that because then they do. Um, he starts hitting everybody with the kendo sticks. Edge gets one and starts joining them. And then uh, Jericho and Christian end up jumping Dreamer and dumping him after a, uh, they do like the concerto with the trash can lids, which I thought mm-hmm. was uh, a trash canerto. I don't know. <laughs> Famous spot of you and Lewis. The, uh, concerto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Edge and Christian. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh, Jericho, uh, I don't think I even mentioned, I might have missed him, but Tajiri had come in through all of this. Uh, <laughs> And I, he, you know, he was fine throughout, but he didn't do much of note. He, uh, he, Jericho throws out to Jerry when he's doing the tarantula, which kind of dumb move by to Jerry to try and do the tarantula in the rumble. Uh, B square comes out. He has completely lost the whole like rapper gimmick. So he just threw that away very quickly since he and Cena have not gotten along and Cena kind of turned on him, but he gets dumped quickly. Also Chavo gets speared out by edge. Jericho ends up skating the cat to survive and dumps the brothers Edge and Christian, and uh, he ends up standing alone to kind of end the second segment. So to your point, he's definitely carrying the match at this point. Everything's sort of revolving around him. He gets a nice escape here. And the, the last image before we go into this next part, 
because the rain kind of clears just Jericho, but the image of him, he had a nasty lump. It was like a bloody lump on his mm-hmm. head from getting smacked with a kendo stick. But that was, um, I thought he looked like a badass, honestly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely did. Uh, like we, you were kind of talking about a super rough stretch of entrance. Uh, mm-hmm. You could even say Chavo. You could even throw Chavo and Tajiri in there, but it goes Demott, Dreamer, and B squared. So uh, I, I will say at least Dreamer and uh, B squared didn't last very long. They didn't even last like a minute combined. I don't think so. Um, I do like the kendo stick uh, shot to eliminate Demott. I thought that was a pretty good spot. Um, and then the sick, sick uh, trash can lid double shot that uh, Jericho and uh, Christian do on Dreamer was pretty sick. Um, but yeah, just kind of kind of a rough stretch stretch of entrance. Uh, you know, uh, Tajiri does the stupid, uh, tries to do the tarantula and get k- kicked out. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Dreamer was trying to hit Jericho on the like the shoulder, and it like wrapped around his head and hit him like mm-hmm. right between the eyes. So uh, yeah, it was a pretty sick lumpy head throughout the rest of the match. But you know, like I'm sure it sucked for him, but it just added to this. I think it added to what they're building here with Jericho because I think that what did help this. Um, as we'll get into the next stretch where I think things kind of, we get, I think a worse lull is I think he did at least have Jericho <laughs> in there and you had kind of edge and Ray was in there still for a little while in this portion, but definitely just Jericho in there again, to be kind of like the, the anchor of the match. I thought helped it not get too bogged down in the, the, at least the, the dreamer stuff, he brought the weapons, which kind of woke it up and got it out of the whole, like typical rumble, like guys just kind of fucking off in the corner. So that helped a bit, mm. but yeah. Um, sure. well, all right, so we'll keep going. Like we said, the ring is clear at this point, but um, and I thought this was re- really well done here. So Jericho is alone, but then he has to deal with RVD who comes out next. So we get a nice little sequence of these guys. RVD unloads his full arsenal of kicks and everything, and then we get Matt Hardy one one next. Um, so obviously he's going to team up with Jericho as the two heels cool sequence with RVD kind of maintaining against both of them, trying to fight both of them off. I thought he looked good. And then here comes Eddie out next. And this is the point where I was like, this ring is like loaded with talent. Like mm. you have Eddie, Matt Hardy, Jericho and RVD all in there. So like kind of a nice bounce back after you said the, uh, the kind of the scrubs came out with B2 and, and the, Tommy the, Dreamer. the triangle of terror. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's nice to have, you know, some legit guys back in there. Um, mm-hmm. And again, the um, like Eddie and RVD go after, which I thought was a, another cool. I mean, I know they had um, they feuded earlier on Raw, but it's been a while since those two have been able to interact. So that was kind of cool and called back to their feud. Jeff Hardy. So I know this is Logan, you pop for this. He comes in next and uh, the art, the Hardys have to decide whether they're going to like fight or team. So another cool. You can see the brand split at least paying, like I said, dividends in this because you're getting some cool spots like. Guys who haven't interacted recently, like the Hardy Boys, haven't really interacted since they got split. And um, Jeff ends up punching them and settles that, so they're not going to team up. Um, I thought all the Shannon Moore spots were real funny when he um, he's trying to save Matt yeah. Hardy. Like they're going to dump Matt Hardy, sticks his feet up in there to push him back in. That was real <laughs> good. Um, he runs in and covers Matt when Jeff's going to do the Swanton, which again, not a super smart move by Jeff to go for the Swanton, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> he definitely he definitely did not go to Harvard, so we got that. Yeah, he's not but, he's not necessarily what we would call a smart man, so <laughs> <laughs> but so he just ends up swantoning both of them. Uh Rosie comes out next of three minute warning, then Tess comes out. Stacy was looking particularly good in this one, um, in the black dress. She looked fantastic. Uh Tess starts clearing house like 
I could see before he like when he came came out, I was thinking, okay, maybe they're gonna let Tess have a nice showing. They kind of have a little pseudo push going for him. Maybe he'll get like a little mini diesel run here. Um, King at this point is predicting Jericho. They're kind of doing the they're starting to do like the Flair ninety two thing with Jericho, where he's getting a lot of like near eliminations, but constantly mm-hmm. survives. Cena heads out rapping. Um, it was funny that everybody in the ring when Cena raps just has to like not do anything. They just all go into like neutral while he does his rap. I thought his best line was the, uh, I don't know if you've caught any, but my favorite one when he says something about choking him out like Spreewell, I pop for that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Cena comes out, then Charlie Haas comes out. In this slogan, I think is where it started to bog down a little bit. You start in the ring, starting to fill up. Not too much of note going on. And they, um, Jeff, of course, like we said, not a smart man. He goes up top again, and Rob kicks him off. So Jeff Hardy gets eliminated. Rikishi comes in. He starts sidekicking everyone, and he uh, does the th- 360 sell for Rosie, who is also in at this point. And um, and then he gives, <laughs> and then gives, sorry, he gives Jamal a kick. And this I thought was a pretty weak stretch here. Like, especially given the guy, like we said, there are a lot of talented guys in there, but I didn't feel like it lived up to, like, I didn't feel like they utilized the really awesome guys they had in there much. Like, Eddie, I feel like Eddie didn't do a whole lot in this. Like, RVD looked good, but, like, I felt like this was kind of a weak stretch considering the guys involved. Yeah, this is the stretch where the ring kind of filled up a lot, so even if a lot of stuff was going on, you couldn't really tell. Because, uh, I mean, they're just, I mean, from when RVD comes out to Jamal comes out, I don't know that, like, but maybe two of the guys get thrown out. I think Rosie may get thrown out and uh, Hardy. No, I think Rosie didn't come or didn't go out till Kane comes in. So, uh, I mean, I think it's really maybe maybe Jeff goes out. And I think all the other guys from this stretch all last pass uh, where we've kind of stopped here. Uh, so not a, not a ton of elimination. So nobody can really stand out. Uh, so, because there's a, just a ton of people in the ring, um, the Matt fact for tonight was that he strongly dislikes mustard. So, uh, just in case anybody <laughs> wanted to know what that was, <laughs> uh, anyone could say whatever they want. Mostly, I'm talking to Sean Kidd here. I can say what they want about Jeff Hardy, but the crowd was fired up to see him come out. Uh, I don't think he had been on TV a ton lately. Uh, he had like the red paint all over his face, so he looked especially. Uh, drugged out tonight, but I, I think the I think the crowd pop, popped uh, pretty good for him. Um, and as stupid as all the testicle stuff was with Test and Stacy, uh, as stupid as it is, uh, somehow Test has gotten pretty over with the crowd as well. They kind of react when he comes out. Uh, Might have been one of the times that they could have uh, struck struck with him and tried to kind of push him more towards the main event. Uh, I still don't think he was ever going to be that guy. I think they missed an opportunity in 99 with all the uh, Austin getting run over by the car stuff and not entering him into that triple threat. Um, But I think this is another opportunity where uh, they could have done it if they wanted to. But obviously something something along the lines stopped stopped them from uh, wanting to do that. So, yeah. but yeah, I, I thought he was pretty over in this match. Uh, Cena, his, well, this wasn't one of his bet, best raps, uh, but his throwback hat and jersey combo was pretty awesome. Um, they call, talk about when Rikishi comes out that uh, he has the most appearances, which is crazy to me. And ironically, the uh, now earning the Rumble episode that just aired before this episode comes mm-hmm. out was uh, about 
Rikishi. So, and they mentioned that, and they thought they all thought it was crazy. But um, JT, I think, also pitched an idea of him and uh, Rosie and Jamal kind of teaming up and forming like a little Samoan faction. I think that would have been a really good idea. So I'll give him that credit on that one. But they kind of tease that they're going to team up at one point. But Rosie kind of mm-hmm. does the inside-out clothesline on him, like you said. Um, but yeah, the, the, this was kind of a weak stretch. No real eliminations other than Jeff being stupid and going to the top rope and uh, trying to do the whisper in the wind and getting pushed off. So, um, but yeah, that that's pretty much the, that stretch right there. So, yeah. <laughs> right. And so the, what caps off that one too is um, Jamal gets the stink face. So like you said, they sort of <laughs> tease that maybe they're going to team up with Rikishi, but instead they go the opposite route. But all right, so like we said, a little bit of a lull here, so we'll see. Kane comes out, so maybe he can wake things up. He's kind of a, um, usually a pretty solid Rumble performer, I'd say, but um, as expected, he comes and he kind of cuts the fat, uh, no pun intended, dumping Rosie. Uh, <laughs> great. This um, near elimination by Jericho right here was fantastic. Like, I mean, you cannot get any closer to what he did. Like, it was like he was kind of in the corner by the ring post, and he gets flipped mm. out. And he kind of swings his feet around the ring post, but man, what a that was an awesome. He's been great throughout this whole rumble, but uh, man, what a great near elimination. Um, mm-hmm. And here comes here comes Shelton Logan. Uh, here yeah. comes Shelton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Booker and uh, Booker comes in with the spin of Rooney. He eliminates Eddie again. Real disappointing showing for Eddie. Now, I don't know if it's necessarily his fault, like. Obviously, they usually kind of booked the big spots ahead of time, and it just seemed like they didn't really give them anything, which is a bummer. Um, uh, like, for example, they give, obviously, more focus to A-Train, who comes out next, and uh, he, uh, you know, he starts chucking guys around and, like, um, hits his baldo bombs and whatnot. But the, it's getting to the point, again, where they need to clean the ring up a little bit. It's starting to get a little bloated. Uh, but at this point, a banded Shawn Michaels runs down to the ring, attacks Jericho, and kind of gives him something to worry about, which allows Tess to sneak up on him and throw him out. So um, before we talk, and then Sean, like they fight out on the outside and kind of they have to be led away by officials, which my thing here was, I did, I thought it, it obviously fit the story that Sean would come back and get his revenge. But if it felt like the execution of the moment wasn't like that great, like it didn't, like they didn't really build any drama around it. Like is it was just kind of like Sean comes out, punches Jericho a few times, and then Tess kind of comes out of nowhere and throws him out. Like they didn't really milk it. I found I feel like they could have gotten a little more of that moment. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, like I was talking about in the last section, the ring is just still so full. Like uh, only a few other guys that you kind of mentioned that had gotten thrown out, so the ring is still like super full of guys. So it kind of gets you know I, honestly, if you were in the crowd that night. Uh, it might have gotten a little bit lost in the shuffle. I mean, I think you probably saw Sean come out, but you know, uh, if if you weren't really paying attention to the entrance way and you were looking at the ring, it might have fallen under the radar somewhat a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it, I, I like that he came back out and kind of screwed Jericho. It fit the story, like, kind of like I was talking about earlier. It fit that Jericho kind of did the same thing. Uh, but I think Jericho probably should have lasted a little bit more towards the end. Because mm-hmm. at the point when he gets thrown out, there's not a ton of what I would call contenders out there. Right. I mean, when he gets thrown out, um, I think like Booker and maybe Kane are probably the only two guys that I could really see realistically winning it outside of Jericho. And I don't know that Jericho's a super like 
I mean, out of the people in there, he's definitely one of the, like, the top two or three that were, would have a chance of winning. But I don't even know if he was uh, the you know, highest contender to win it at the same time. Uh, but after that, uh, yeah, the, the contenders are really low. And then, like, almost immediately after that, Booker gets thrown out. So, really, it's, like, down to mm-hmm. Kane. And, you know, they've already done the Kane thing. And I don't really think they're going to Mania with that one. So, um, right. but, yeah. The contenders list is real low at that point once uh, Jericho guns out, and then it gets even worse when Booker gets thrown out. I definitely agree. Yeah, they should have kept Jericho in there until right before the big guns come out at the end, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about in a second. But, yeah, because to your point, it leaves just like no, really not a very compelling. And, again, I just think they could have gotten more out of that moment. Like, I, I think it should have happened, but I think they could have – like maybe because the whole story has been that Jericho keeps surviving. So maybe tease that he's going to like Sean's not going to be able to get him. Like he tries to throw him out or something. Jericho survives. So I don't know. I just felt like they could have come more out of it. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, um, as far as him being eliminated, totally fed. Like you didn't think he was really probably going to win because of Sean thing. But I agree. He should have been in there longer and, and continued his Iron Man run a little longer. But either way, a fantastic showing by him. Um, mm-hmm. Much less fantastic is Maven, uh, who comes out after that. <laughs> uh, so it's like so funny because at this point it's like nothing but beef and then Maven. It's just like huge guys like in Maven, like A Train, and then just Maven. Uh, Goldust comes out. His entrance was so strange to me. He like trotted out so casually, like he didn't have any urgency. He just kind of like he looked like he was just like, well, I'm gonna go in here for three minutes and collect my paycheck. Like he did not look like he was looking to go to WrestleMania. He, yeah, he didn't care. But yeah, to your point, it definitely feels like at this point they're just killing time until Brock and Taker come out. Oh like yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and when and when uh, A Trade came out, I thought his power offense looked pretty good. I mean, you know, obviously he's not the best in the ring, but I thought his uh, Baldo bombs and his big boots and all this uh, he did the derailer on I uh, think Shelton uh, looked pretty good. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, just a another kind of tough stretch, and you do you got rid of cut a couple of the contenders that you would have thought might might have been there at the end, but. Uh, yeah, definitely a big beef fest. And then, yeah, like you said, Maven and then Goldust only lasts like 45 seconds. So right, he gets team... done pretty unceremoniously. <laughs> Maybe that's why he casually came out. He was like, fuck it, I'm only right, going to be in less than a minute. So <laughs> screw it. <laughs> Tried it out. He didn't even run. Yeah, so like you said, Team Angle come out. They drop uh, Goldust and Booker T, which did was like a fun T. I don't think it's going to happen, but if my memory serves me, but, and they're on different brands, but that would have been a cool feud. But anyway, team angle, mm. dump gold dust and Booker, Batista comes and makes his rumble debut. So a pretty historic moment. I would say there, Batista's first rumble and he ends up throwing tests. So kind of shows you to me, that is like a, uh, like symbolic of how they think about both guys. Like you kind of feel like they like test. Okay. But really Batista is like their guy that they're really have high hopes for. Like, they kind of pretend like they want Tess to be, like, a big thing, but they don't really care. Um, But Batista throws out Tess. He throws Rikishi out. And then here is the big gun as Brock makes his his entrance and completely nukes Team Angle. Like, just fucking throws him. (laughs) And then he takes Matt Hardy and F5s. Takes (coughs) Matt Hardy, F5s him out of the ring onto Team Angle. So, excellent, like, first 30 seconds for Brock awesome spot and then of course matt hardy like he sells it so well he just looks like a fucking goof flying around but great stuff 
And of course, we get number 30 is who else but a returning taker who is going to be the biker. We talked about, um, I talked about on the pod, they've been doing, they weirdly like chose ministry taker as the mm-hmm. one they put in all the promos for his return, but he's just kind of back as biker taker. So, all right. Any, um, any final thoughts as we get into this kind of closing section and into our final four, Logan? Uh, just, just a couple, uh, Lesnar come out and immediately makes an impact, makes his presence felt, uh, hits the double awesome team angle elimination, like you said, and then the F5 onto Hardy. I kind of wish he had chucked uh, Shannon out at some point too, uh, because Shan- Shannon really busted his ass for Matt in this one. So I almost halfway thought about putting him in my top five because he really, really went out all for Matt there, uh, in, in the Royal Rumble. So, um, but that, and then like you kind of talking about Taker coming out on the motorcycle, uh, while still cool. And while it was his return and was cool at the same time, it was tad disappointing because it had kind of seemed like they were leaning more towards the phenom and the vignettes or, you know, promo packages going, uh, towards his return. So maybe he could have come back out as phenom, but, uh, I guess it just wasn't quite time yet for that. Logan, you would probably know this as a TNA expert. Does Shannon Moore ever end up in TNA? Every time does, I see him, yes. he just he seems like such a TNA guy. Like just something <laughs> about him. He just looks like I would see him on an impact. Like, I, I, I think know, just... he, I think he's in there pretty soon on our pod, honestly. I think he comes okay. in in like oh six. So I think he's definitely there for sure. He looks the part. He lo- he has X division written all over him. <laughs> Shannon Moore. All right. Anyway, t- of course Taker's gonna come in and clean out a little bit. He throws Cena, he throws Jamal. Um, we get a nice little callback with Maven, who uh, tries to drop kick him and relive what he did last year, but it doesn't work this time. And instead, <laughs> he just gets wrecked and eliminated. And um, so now we've gotten down to this was like a, a Haas closing of the Rumble. It's like all Hosses and an RVD. It's like um, <laughs> Kane, Undertaker, Brock, uh, Batista, and then RVD. But uh, RVD and Kane, uh, they pop A Train out. And then. Um, Kane, um, like he alluded to earlier, ends up tossing Rob, I guess, to try and put over that, you know, he's willing to do anything to win this Rumble, which now leads us into our closing stretch with our final four, which is going to be Batista, Taker, Kane, and Brock. So huge spot for Batista here. Again, kind of shows you what they think of Batista. Like, they obviously have high hopes for this dude. I mean, he's just he just started becoming, like, not, uh, you know, the deacon like what he moved to Raw, and he's already like in his first Rumble in the Final Four. I mean, that kind of shows you what they think of him. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So we get tons of clubbing from these big hosses. Um, Kane gets f 5 Brock and Taker then go at it. Um, I like that they go back to the history of their feud in the fall with some kind of cool teases of eliminations. Taker ends up rocking Batista out of the ring after neutralizing Brock, so not a kind of a quiet... Um, elimination for Batista uh, taker. So we're down to Kane. Uh, sorry, taker Kane and Brock taker. Seems like he's going to team with Kane, but really he ends up tricking Kane's dumbass and throws him out. So it kind of teases uh, <laughs> brothers of destruction. So it's like, so like you're not going to team with your own teammate, like the guy you're actually in a, a team with, but I guess cause he's your brother. You're going to trust this dude. It's like going Kane anyway. Uh, so, our final sequence, and I'll get your thoughts on this finish here. So Batista mm-hmm. comes back in to distract Taker, which allows Brock to come in and sneak behind Taker and toss him over. So what did you, 
I'm maybe selling my hand a little bit here, but what did you think of that as like the final moment? Like, like you kind of knew, I mean, everything was pointing to Brock winning this obviously, but what did you think of that, of him kind of sneaking taker at the end? Uh, I did. I didn't love it. I, I wish when it came down to him, they would have lasted a little bit longer. I, I think they wanted to kind of push the Lesnar was kind of desperate. Like he had been through a whole match before and he had been there and there with the beefy guys there at the end. So maybe he didn't have a ton left. So he really needed to kind of sneak in a little bit of a, a surprise on taker. And, you know, it doesn't make taker look uh, weak. And I think that's really something they try mm-hmm. and push throughout the next, you know, however many years that takers around. Um, they, they never really want him to look weak to, even when he does lose, it's like a ton of interference or something, uh, slightly distracted him. So he, you know, you know, he got, he got taken advantage of, I, I don't think it does a ton for Lesnar. Um, but I, 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 you know, he, he still wins and he still, uh, you know, looked good in the match and he looked good in his match earlier. So, um, but yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I would have liked to have seen him gone a little bit back and forth, but I, I somewhat understand why they, why they may have done it. Yeah. Like, I know they want to protect Taker, obviously, but I'm with you. I wish they would have maybe done like, not go like distraction finish, like let them go two or three. And I thought it'd been cool too, because you know, the last thing Taker did before he left is the Brock feud. So it'd have been like a nice little, like, um, call back to that feud. And like, I just feel like they don't know. <laughs> It's like, I feel like at this point, they, they don't know how to book a guy like Brock as a face completely. Like, mm-hmm. it, like, makes them nervous of him just being dominant. Because I guess they just think if yeah. he's dominant like that, like, people won't cheer him. But he's proven already. Like, that's how he got over as a face is, like, fucking destroying Undertaker in the cell. Yeah. And, like, climbing to the top of the cell like King Kong. Like, the crowd is into that. Like, yeah. but I feel like they, they're still in the mode of thinking anybody who's a face has to, like, you know, be like, a weird underdog, but that just doesn't mm-hmm. fit Brock. Like he's never going to be an underdog because he's a fucking monster. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it wasn't like egregious, and you know, I yeah. think it was one of those where it's predictable. You know, Brock was going to win, but I don't think that's bad. And it kind of, you know, I thought it was a satisfying win for him, even though, you know, it could have been, you know, it's nitpicking a bit. But yeah, yeah, that um, so that wraps up our rumble. These are always hard to rate, like to rate it as a match, but um. I think the biggest weakness was that law, like we mentioned, after Jericho leaves, like you had brought it up at first, Logan, until Taker and Brock and everyone comes out, just there's just nobody in there. It's like we might as well just call it an intermission and let everybody go get a beer and come back <laughs> until the, the real guys come out. But uh, Jericho with an awesome performance, like um, I, I kind of wish his elimination would have been better, but he does a cool Iron Man performance here. I did feel like some of the guys were underutilized. Like we talked about, like some of your better guys, like Eddie maybe could have got a better shine in this one. It definitely felt like they were really, they're really all about the big guys in this rumble. It's a, it's like a big mm-hmm. guy rumble. Like they put a lot of focus on that, but I thought a lot of the spots are good. And it was a mostly decent pace, I think, except for a few walls, a pretty fun ending. And um, I think one good thing is that besides obviously setting up Brock for mania, you also built one money feud with HBK and Jericho. Cause now that is fully in motion, which is good. But so I ended up going, it's like I said, hard to rate a rumble. I originally went three and a half. I think I might bump it down talking through it again to maybe three and a quarter. Like I thought it was definitely not a great rumble, but I did think it was good and maybe borderline very good. Just a few iffy spots. I feel like they've utilized the talent they had in there a little better. It could have been even better. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely could have been better. Uh, you know, Royal Rumbles are kind of like uh, pizza, even when it's not mm-hmm. the best. It's still pretty great. Um, so I, I did go three and a half. Um, I thought the Jericho portions, uh, you know, his just him lasting in, uh, so long and driving, driving kind of the first at least half or, you know, two thirds of the match. Uh, was really well done, uh, and I thought the ending with the big beefy guys, uh, even though Kane did look like a dummy at the end, and you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the exact thing. I said, "Gosh, Kane's a dummy," but the beefy uh, final four, it, it kind of put Batista in a position where they, you know, they they showed that they really had, uh, uh, they thought they had something in him. So, um, uh, but yeah, just some disappointing things like you know, like you know, Matt Hardy lasts twenty seven minutes. Zero eliminations. Eddie lasts 16 minutes, and he has zero eliminations. So just a couple of disappointing performances right. like that. Um, not a ton of guys had a ton of eliminations. I mean, Brock has four, and Taker has five, and then Jericho eliminated six. So uh, outside of those guys, no, not not but like two or three people have more than one. So um, just, you know, kind of disappointing performances for some guys. But, um, but yeah, I, I thought enough of the – guys that did do well our rvd was another good one that lasted a while that had a couple eliminations um but yeah uh i i went three and a half i think it's good for brock to kind of uh have this under his belt uh you know he's kind of pretty much done he's won the king of the ring he's been wwe champion you know he's uh i, I feel like he's really this is the this is the next notch in his belt and now he's going to go on to the main event of wrestlemania and that'll be yet another notch and him and angle uh if angles the champion when you get there, uh, should be a pretty pretty awesome match. So, um, but yeah, three right. and a half is what it went. Yeah, and it, it, it makes sense. It's it's what it should be. Like if you were looking at the SmackDown roster, like that's the money match. It's something like mm. I feel like they probably wanted to do since Brock started getting built up, and now they but they held off long enough, thankfully. And now mm-hmm. they can do it in the right setting. But I think I'll bump it back up to three and a half. You convinced me because I will say <laughs> it never it never gets to that point in like your kind of mediocre or bad rumbles where I never felt myself like there wasn't a big enough lull that lasted long enough for me to just start checking out and losing complete interest. Like yeah. they always kind of say had something happen before it could get too boring. So which is always mm. good. All right, so both went three and a half. All right, we will get to our um, overall ratings. I thought this was a, a pretty strong show. I mean, you have the classic with Benoit and Jericho. I thought the undercard was kind of solid, nothing really amazing, but, you know, that's not really what you come to the Rumble for. And a pretty good Rumble. And I think if you have a classic match and a good Rumble, I mean, we obviously have the stinker of the, you know, standard <laughs> Triple H. But honestly, I mean, it's almost something I factor in on all these shows because more likely than not, unfortunately, you're going to probably the Triple H title matches on this era pay-per-views are usually not that great. So I'm not going to let it drag the show too much. I would go. I ended up going seven out of ten on this one. Yeah, I was saying it's memorable, which maybe it's not memorable for the Mm -hmm. right reasons, but it's still (laughs) it's still something you remember. It makes you think of this pay-per-view. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to go seven as well. Um, you know, the, the stinker world title match and then the kind of stinker women's match, which I don't really blame them for that. They shouldn't have been put in that mm-hmm. situation. Should have been booked a little better. But uh, the opener was good. The tag title match was fast but good. Uh, and then the classic WWE title match and then the Rumble, like I said, even, you know, e- even though it wasn't a top tier Royal Rumble, I think it was uh, solidly in the middle. And, you know, uh, it 
did what it needed to do for Brock. And it made Jericho look like a, a kind of a, a real technician in the ring where he could maybe be a main eventer going forward. So, um, yeah, definitely. And, and like we said, it kind of made us Batista ascend a little bit, too. So uh, made a couple of people at least look pretty good. Mm-hmm. So definitely good right. stuff. Yeah, always a sign of a good rumble when you can when they accomplish things aside from just putting over the guy who wins. Like, mm-hmm. like even just the HBK Jericho stuff kind of knows is good because at least shows they put in the effort to kind of make some other stuff happen. But um, we'll go to our awards best match. I think this was going to be pretty easy. Angle Benoit. Yep, that's for sure. Uh, best moment, uh, man. There, there's one that you can maybe say is best moment that I think is going to have to, you know, I think I'm going to go with that Jericho near elimination. Like, I mean, the Brock mm-hmm. win was cool and everything, but I think I'm going to go with that Jericho elimination. Like, man, that was insane. Great spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe, uh, maybe Brock F5ing, um, Matt Hardy. <laughs> yeah. The, both of those are really great. I'm going to go with the sequence in the WWE title match with the release German diving headbutt and then the kick out <laughs> at like 3.9. I thought that little sequence of events was just amazing. And the crowd just goes wild when that happens. So, uh, I really, I really bet on all that. So, uh, I'll go with that. Yeah. Um, LVP it's, you know, I know they didn't put him in a position to succeed, but I'm probably still going to have to go Steiner. Just, I mean, the crowd, you went from being like super over and then by the end of the match, the crowd's like kind of crapping on him. So mm. just not a good performance by Steiner. Yeah. I cheated on these next two. I went with Steiner and triple H just cause I don't think <laughs> yeah. one deserves it in, in either over the other. So I, I have to, I had to go with both of them, but yeah, definitely those two. Right. So on that, I kind of cheat on an MVP cause I went Kurt and Benoit for MVP because <laughs> again, in that match, I don't think it was, you could not really say one guy carried the other. So it's hard to pick between them. Um, but I was very, I, I kind of saved it for our next awards, but there's somebody else I could have put here, but I kind of cheat and put yeah. Kurt and Benoit. Yeah, yeah. I did the same thing. And for the same reason, I, I, I would have probably put somebody else, but we kind of tinkered with the last one and, uh, I'll definitely put him in there. So Angle and Benoit both, uh, like, like with the last one, nobody deserves any more credit than the other. They both went balls to the wall and just, you know, pull out an incredible match. So, uh, they both deserve it. Right. So since this is the rumble, I usually do like the standout performers, like top five or whatever. But since the majority of the guys are in the rumble, we decided to pick the top five specifically from the rumble match. I think easily, and I normally don't put these in a particular, but number one easily is Jericho, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, 100%. Yeah. Jericho, um, I also had Brock, obviously won, and he looked great in his time. I thought Taker was pretty good. I think he came back and looked dumb. I mean, he was book strong, so that helps. But uh, I'm going to go Taker. Uh, I gave a slight nod to Ray because he was in there briefly, but I thought it was memorable. I thought he had a lot of fire when he was in there. Um, and I think it gives you – the fact that we were disappointed when he had to leave after not a while shows how good he is. And I actually went with a weird one. It went Team Angle. They were only in there for a little while, but I thought they made their presence known. Uh, they worked good together as a team, throwing out um, throwing out Booker T and Goldust. So I thought they looked pretty solid in the Rumble too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I obviously went Jericho, like you said. I, I put Edge in there. I thought for his, his, like, 11 or so minutes he was in there, I thought he looked really good. He kind of helped Jericho kind of string the match along in that little period. Uh, RVD lasted about 33 minutes, I, I believe, is how long he lasted. He only had the two eliminations, but I feel like once Jericho went out, he was kind of the guy that had to hold it together a little bit, him and Kane. Um, but I, I put RVD in there for sure. 
um, Brock for sure because he won, and then Taker came out and had five eliminations and not a t- not a ton of time. So I think he definitely deserves to be in there. <laughs> and I'll give an honorable mention to Shannon Moore just because he helped Matt so much <laughs> or throughout the match, and he kind of busted his ass. So uh, I almost put him in there, but I felt like he really wasn't in the match, so he probably didn't deserve it. But I thought he really uh, busted it for Matt there. So, um, but those my five. No, he had a fun showing, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. So it turned out to be a pretty good show. Like I said, sometimes with these, the build can be shaky, but there's enough going on that they can string together a good show. Um, Scott Steiner, uh, <laughs> his body failing him um, is another story. <laughs> but anyway, that wraps us up here, uh, Logan. Um, it was great to have you on here. I'm glad you get to come in for a pay-per-view, especially a rumble. Um, like I said at the start of the show, we do quite a lot of pots together. Would you like to tell uh, everyone about those and anything else you have going on? Yeah, 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 I'll I'll run through my uh, roulette wheel of uh, podcasts. It's speaking of roulettes, uh, we do YouTube roulette. That's one where we kind of uh, each episode somebody picks four matches, and I think we've actually kind of tinkered with the idea of doing uh, one match per person going forward. So uh, we'll see how that works out on the next one. Um, Highway to the Impact Zone, me and you do that together. We're on every episode. We live watch a, a couple of episodes of Impact or uh, pay-per-view so um uh we're uh, deep in 2005 we're right right around august 05 at this point so um we're heading towards sacrifice um popcorn chicken salad that's me ben sean and matt we watch a uh a guilty pleasure movie uh usually they're not the best movies but sometimes they're movies that we just kind of enjoy that we kind of probably feel like we shouldn't i guess um and then uh chicken salad is the wrestling version uh where we pick bad pay-per-views and kind of try to find the good parts of them uh squared circle the silver screens uh uh, pod that i do on this feed uh me and roger watch movies that have wrestlers in them uh, and kind of talk about him. We just did uh, Jackass Forever, so uh, recent wrestler Johnny Knoxville uh, <laughs> make an appearance on there. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and then Cronoso Daily, something uh, I think both me and you are involved in that uh, comes up daily on this uh, feed. Uh, it's just a different match throughout the WWF pay per view uh, era. Uh, I think we we just finished WrestleMania two. We're at the Saturday Night's main event right after that. So. Um, just that rolls out every day. So everybody check out every pod, check out all the feeds and, uh, all great people, all great stuff. So that's all I got. <laughs> well said. Um, but of course it was great to have you, Logan. Um, as for me, I'll see, uh, I gotta see, I may, you may see a, uh, I gotta speak with management, but, uh, I may have a brief, <laughs> a, a, a brief hiatus here on uh, the Roots the Aggressive podcast, depending um, because they have to prep because uh, there's a some you just uh, did Logan. I'm preparing for a new member of the Jumbalaya clan here, so I got to kind of get my ducks in a row for that. So we'll see how it goes. I may take a, a brief break from the pod just to make sure that's all good. But either way, whenever I am back, hopefully sooner than later, uh, we'll be on the road to WrestleMania uh, 19, which should be a whole lot of fun. And uh, I'm very hyped to see the build to it because some would call it Logan the greatest WrestleMania ever. Yeah, some smart people might say that, you know, so. <laughs> Someone should do a pod on that. I know, like a four-hour live watch pod and do, like, 17 also. I mean, crazy. And then never finish the project that we were doing, so. <laughs> anyway, so whatever, I'm back. I will see you then. Uh, but thanks for listening to Ruthless, Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. And thanks to Logan. And I will see you next time. Someone that I can't feel.